Lawrence Cofield and Company. No one, and I mean no one, is going to outwork this guy. The man has unstoppable energy. Steve Cofield. We like Steve. <laughs> but we don't love Steve. It's Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. And we know it because we feel it in our bones. Here we go. Friday, 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 Friday. Cofield and company, Ari's in our Finley Toyota studios. John Von Tobel is the company today. I know he's going to be a, uh, whatever it is, 800-pound gorilla today, just bouncing off the walls because of the NBA draft. It's fun. Trade deadline day going really back to yesterday around Major League Baseball was insane down the stretch. I don't even know if I know all the moves. Down the stretch in Major League Baseball was crazy, crazy, crazy. We got some good guest spots coming up later on. Our own coach, Coach Joe, is going to check in on the NBA draft. So that's coming up later this hour in about 45. It's Trending at 3, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. So let's start with baseball. Um, I'm thinking, what, 11 a.m. on, maybe 1030 forward. We had the final rush with Major League Baseball trade deadline day, and you know, it's a perfect storm right now in baseball. Uh, again, you know, subtle shot of people who don't like the extra playoff spots up yours. The extra playoff spots have teams feeling like they can make a run, get on the dance floor, and then you don't know what's going to happen. If you're in, you have a shot. Mm-hmm. So you have more teams competing and not bailing. And now when teams bail because of the way you know worked for the Astros, the Astros stripped it down, right? Tankathon. And look at the Astros now. They're a superpower because when teams bail, and some of them are the you know the teams with a lot of money, when they bail, they freaking bail. We'll get into all that the Cubs did today. Oh, boy. Everyone. Everyone was available. But, John, down the stretch. It's a weird deal. I feel like the Mets and Yankees never make deals with each other. Very rarely. Mm-hmm. White Sox and Cubs are like, hey, here you go. Let's go back and forth. And, they, and they've had some disastrous deals like the Cubs have sent. I mean, Eloy Jimenez at the top of the list. They've had some disasters between them, but they they have no problem trading with each other. And yet uh, Craig Kimbrell is off to the White Sox. And I, I still think the Astros have a slight nod in the American league, but the Astros check that the White Sox really did a good job bolstering their bullpen. That was a big move. Then the Mets, I assume they're getting a guy, unless he just flops down the stretch, or getting a guy to uh, build around him. And I talked about this the last week or so when the rumors about Javier Baez going from the Cubs potentially to the Mets. I'm like, all right, get ready for the $650 million middle infield. Javier Baez goes to the Mets. And then we saw Joey Gallo, hometown guy, go to the Yankees. Well, Chris Bryant is on the verge of free agency. Seemed like a lot of hemming and hawing, and the deal came down late. Well, Chris Bryant goes to the Giants. I don't know that the return was that great, but those were some of the mega deals in the last two and a half hours. And then a lot of teams did tinkering, and we'll get to some of those small deals. But what a day. Really cool. And it's it's awesome to see so many teams going, you know what? 
we want to win. We want to be in this thing. Right. To your point, right? I think in a year in which there was not two wildcard spots, your team, for example, the Yankees, who are seven games back of the team that is currently in control of the top wild card, they're like, no, sorry, we're out. But they're only two and a half games back of the second wild card, have a big series of what, like two weeks against the Mariners coming up or something like that. Like, this is what you do. You go and trade and you try to acquire and you get back in it. And I'd be with you. Like, I think at the top of the list of the moves that I like outside of the obvious, you know, I do think Chris Bryant's going to be pretty good for San Francisco. I think Bryant, you know, they, that's a team that's in need, right? We have all that infield injuries, right? Whether it's Longoria, whether it's Bell, Tommy Listella, he's going to be awesome because he fits anywhere. That, that is the cool part about Bryant, which we don't talk about enough. He'll play every possession pretty well. It's actually, it's pretty unique. Both, you know, two of the uh, – Bryce Harper's the biggest star out of Vegas, but the two other guys, the big sluggers, uh, Gallo and Brian are such good athletes and yep. they play all over the place. So that's they have so much more value than a guy who's stuck at one position. Absolutely. So I think that that was at the top of my list. And it also adds to it because the team that you are trying to keep at arm's length in the race of that division uh, went nuclear, right? In terms of uh, in terms <laughs> yep. of acquiring guys to then not only catch you, but potentially win a World Series. So I think that's it's not exactly a match for what the Dodgers did, but you're at least doing something to keep with the arms race. And by the way, the Padres did stuff too. So I think that's what was most important about what the Giants did. Filled the massive need, but also at least did something to match what their division rivals did. And like one of the most hotly contested divisions we can remember in a while. Uh, NL East and NL West really got at it. Uh, yeah. And AL East. We'll get to uh, all the different deals they made in the AL East. But let's stick on the NL West since it's closest to home. So the Giants make that move. Um, I still kind of feel bad for the Padres. Yes. Uh, I think the Padres... You know, the Slam Diego stuff and kind of puffing out your chest. They're still relatively new to the game of trying. And I almost hope, because they were talking a lot of trash, and they were talking trash last night. Once Scherzer and Trey Turner went to the Dodgers, I saw Musgrove quoted. I saw others were like, oh, we're fine. Like, is that right? Because we had another day. They can still add more. But I almost feel like the Dodgers, I hope Andrew Friedman, uh, after some of the trash talk that has been thrown from the Padres towards the Dodgers, was like, all right. Nope. You want to talk trash? All right. Here's my payroll limit. There isn't one. We'll spend $400 million this year. We don't care. You want to come at us? Let's go. Almost like forcing the Padres to get involved in all these battles. And I, I actually think the Padres are still not ready to, you know, crack through and pay, you know, luxury tax. Because, you know, part of these deals, this the last couple of days, they were looking to shop Eric Hosmer. Right. Which is a weird one. Um, I'm not going to say the Padres were losers out of this thing. What did you like that the Padres did? Because they, they missed out on Barrios today. Blue Jays swoop in and get freaking Barrios, who that's a controllable guy and a guy that I might be interested in signing as a long-term guy. So I'm actually willing to say that they're losers only because, for, first and foremost, the, the fact that the Dodgers swoop in in the 11th hour and go, <laughs> no. We'll take Max Scherzer. That's cute. Thank you very yeah, much. That's cute. Right. <laughs> you know I, I mean? That was the thing yesterday. <laughs> we get these weird reports, and I was like, wait, this doesn't make sense. Everyone's trying to jump each other on the scoop. Right. And I saw something like, perhaps the Padres are the leader for Scherzer. I'm like, is that a scoop? Perhaps? Right. And when that got out there, I'm sure the Dodgers were working on it. But when that got out there, I'm sure the Dodgers were like, okay. Like you said, oh, that's cute. Here's what we have. Right. right. And here's the thing. The Dodgers did pay a good price. I saw some Nats fans who were like, oh, oh, we got like, do you see the other people being traded? No one's trading top five prospects. Mm -hmm. The Dodgers traded two top hundred guys in baseball. And the other, uh, well, they forced the hand of a lot of other teams. 
Now, I, I think the Giants did really well. I don't think the Giants gave up a whole lot mm-hmm. to get Chris Bryant, but compared to getting a hammer, when your hammer's – I mean, is that a clear sign that Trevor Bauer probably ain't pitching this year? I would think. We go get Scherzer, and then you're like, oh, we'll just go get one of the best, you know, most versatile, you know, 20, 40 guys in all of baseball and Trey Turner. That was a part that blew my mind. I'm like, what? wait, they're getting Trey Turner too? That was me too. I like, it was where, like, where are all these people going to play? I only when saw they, Scherzer. When they get healthy, I'm like, this is nuts. I only saw Scherzer, and now they're just they're just overloaded. Now it's just like, man, you know, what do I do? Right? If you're Dave Roberts, you're like, man, which yeah. insanely talented all-star <laughs> should I dip into at this point right now to throw out there? So many versatile lineups they can put out there against other pitchers. Like, it's it's insane. And it's only three games between them and San Francisco, which is going to make this race even more fascinating. And it does. By the way, if they don't catch San Francisco, it makes all of those inexplicable losses to San Francisco even that much more, right, and crazy because you can make all of these moves, Steve, and find yourself in a one-off against the San Diego Padres. Mm-hmm. Like, and that, that's what's insane about it. But I would say, look, I think it's it's Scherzer going to Los Angeles, right, and to add to what we're talking about with the Padres, and I think them being losers. The other is what you mentioned. There were a lot of arms out there that you could have potentially gone in and gotten, and I think that was one of their biggest needs. Blake Snell is fine, but he's got his command issues. He's not going to be great. He's not giving you more than five innings, and that's a really good day. Chris Paddock has some bad luck, but that continues to persist, and he's not a top-end guy. You Darvish's slider is nowhere near what it was, and he looks like he is, again, kind of reverting back to early Chicago Cubs U Darvish, which wasn't very good. You need a top end of the line guy. Ryan, I'm sorry, but Ryan Weathers should not be the guy that you go to war with, right? Like when you're when you're going into like a wild card situation. And so I think when you looked at the Padres, they just didn't address one of their biggest issues. So even if let's say they win a one-off against the Dodgers, do you trust their pitching staff in a best of seven? against any of these other teams that are going to be ahead of them in the National League? Because personally, I don't. Uh, 16 earned runs in the last 19 and two-thirds for Darvish after getting out to a start yep. where, you know, in May, his ERA was uh, 175. So a lot more on the baseball trade deadline. And, yeah, there were a lot of late deals. Uh, like I said, I thought the White Sox did a great job. Mets make a big splash with Baez. The uh, Braves basically get a whole new outfield. That was really interesting. Uh, but the big event last night, and we'll get to the Lakers deal for Westbrook, uh, so much going on. Um the big event last night was the NBA draft, and I have a feeling a lot of casuals and even some hardcores were like, "Nah, eh, I don't know these guys because it has become such a prospect draft. But you sent over NBA draft was fantastic. It was. It was well, it, <laughs> I knew I I knew watching it that, and I could see you on Twitter sending stuff out like that. You were just freaking giddy about it. Like you are a hardcore NBA guy. But but it's it was that. But it was also like. The, the betting aspect changes a lot of things, right? So, for example, for those who weren't really tracking a lot of it, like San Antonio at number 12, that was one of the crazier selections of the night. <laughs> they go and select Josh Primo out of Alabama, and Josh Primo might end up being a really good player. His draft position prop was 27 and a half, and he's getting selected 12th, and you're like, wait a minute, what's happening right now? Where did this come from? The Sacramento Kings last year drafted a kid by the name of Ty- Tyrese Halliburton, who's freaking awesome. Yep. They have De'Aaron Fox, who we all know is freaking awesome, and then they spend a first-round pick, the ninth pick, on another point guard in Davion Mitchell. So they're going to roll like three point guards out at one point. So what's happening there? It was so. What was happening from <laughs> from four all the way through to like 15, 16, and then just more tracking guys, right, going up and down. You know, the, the Kings screwed me. How about this? So I had two, I had I did a I was okay on draft night in terms of bets, but I lost two, and they were both Sacramento DraftKings picks. I had Davion Mitchell over 10 and a half, and he goes ninth. I had I had Namias Keda, big man out of Utah State, over 47 and a half, and he goes like 37, both to the Sacramento Kings. I, I just 
the betting makes it so much better. Because I'm not going to pretend to know every single one of the guys that was drafted last night, but when you can bet on them, when you're looking at draft position props, when you're seeing a guy like James Booknight, who, by all indications in the week leading up, was just rising like a meteor. He was going to be a top five pick almost. He was minus 1,200 to be a top 10 pick, and he goes 11th. <laughs> it's insane. You uh, you are a national host with a lot of power yes, over at VSIN, and now you're speaking to the local audience, which may include some sportsbook people. Do you want to lay it out there without, you know, Without smashing people, I know you were disappointed a day and a half ago with the offerings. Like, oh yeah, it's time to it's time to treat the NBA draft from a wagering standpoint with the Vegas books, like they kind of do with the NFL. But even the NFL, they still don't offer what other states offer. There should have been a lot more stuff up on the board. Oh yeah, like, I've been pretty vocal about it on the platform of Eason too. You know, it was really disappointing to see. You know, for example, one shop finally put up NBA draft props three days before the draft. But remember, the rule out here is that gaming has you take them down 24 hours before the draft starts, right? So, you know, less than 48 hours to get your your stuff together. Right. And and by the way, you have less than 48 hours to sift through a market that's actually been being bet on in the East Coast that bookmakers out here get to sit, watch, develop all that. And you don't really find that many edges. So there's that. And I just think, you know, to your point, I don't know if it should be on the level of the NFL draft, right? The NFL is a monster and I get all of that. But this was my plea to the audience on VSIN the other day. And I'll make the plea to everybody locally. The draft is one of the things that if you ask any bookmaker, they are not keen on hanging up stuff, whether it's the NFL draft or the NBA draft. It is an informationally based event, right? Yesterday, we got reports that one, two, and three were locked in stone. And even though those were minus 8,000, minus 600, and minus 450, those look, those are, right, events that are going to happen that you can wager on, you know the outcome of. These are just things that you are on equal footing, if not have a little bit of an edge over the bookmaker. And so I think my plea to the audience would be demand the NBA draft to get put up, right? The, the reason the NFL gets put up is because there's a demand for it. The NBA draft, there isn't that much of a demand, and there really should be because just like the NFL draft, it's informational-based, and you yourself can find an edge. He's the senior NBA analyst over at VEASAN. Von Tobel's in as the company. We're glad he's here to break down the draft, but especially uh, glad he's here to get into the big trade of the day yesterday. Yeah, the Dodgers move was gigantic, but the Lakers make a big splash with a massive name, and we'll see what Von Tobel thinks of Russ Westbrook now in a Laker uniform. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. With the 12th pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the San Antonio Spurs select Joshua Primo from Toronto and the University of Alabama. The San Antonio Spurs selected Josh Primo with the 12th overall pick in the 2021 NBA Draft. The Alabama product and Canada native is the youngest prospect in the draft as he doesn't turn 19 until late December. He's younger than most high school seniors projected as one-and-done candidates in the 2022 NBA Draft. Primo is a versatile shooter who converted 38% of his three-pointers as a freshman. Quite the the big intro for Josh Primo. With a rando monotone guy on TikTok. Very fired up, as fired up as he could get. That was a TikTok video. That was a TikTok breakdown of of Josh Primo as he was shooting jumpers all over the place. And I'll be honest, I had to look back because I was like, wait, Alabama played UNLV. And, you know, I remember some of the the big name guys on the team. Primo? 
they came off the bench and, and hit three threes because they went freaking crazy in the second half. But the ascent for Josh Primo from, you know, third or fourth wheel on Alabama, number 62 recruit in the country a year ago to the 12th pick in the draft, right. that was one of the biggest surprises of yesterday's draft. And do you hammer the Spurs or you just go, hey, you know, trust in the Spurs. They've been pretty good in judging personnel over the years. I don't even know if it's trust the Spurs necessarily. It's you know, like there were rumors that they wanted to trade out of the pick, right? And maybe they just didn't get the deal that they wanted. And so they're just like, hey, it's our guy. Let's just. So you think they pulled the Raiders? Oh, like, hey, nobody wants this pick. Like, let's just no, take no, our guy. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that, hey, the rest of the league might have the guy 25th. We like him. We can't trade back. So we're just taking him. Sure. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, when you look around, it's the NBA draft. Once you get past, I'd say the top three, four, five, it does get pretty volatile. It's not, I've always made this argument where the NFL draft, your positional needs are rigid and the positions are very rigid. Right. Need a quarterback, go get a quarterback. Need an offensive lineman, go get an offensive lineman type deal. In the NBA, I mean, we need shooting. That could be a wing, that could right. be a stretch four, that could be whatever it is. So if you have a guy, take him. Right. Uh, 13 of the first 15 picks were guards or wings. And mm-hmm. you can see what's happening here. Right. Also, young kids, too. Positionless, young guys. This guy is a baby. Yeah. Did you see him doing interviews? No. He looks like he's 14 years old. Half of them do. It's crazy, and it's projectability. Mm-hmm. This guy's a shooter. He's got good size. And then, you know, you tell me as an NBA personnel person, you know, trying to judge players between 6'4 and 6'8 who are going to play the two or the three, and then you're like, oh, terrible pick. Like, you don't know. <laughs> this is what they do for a living. So if the Spurs trust in Josh Primo, I'm not saying the Spurs hit every pick. That's who they liked. Uh, every time. Look, the two best examples uh, of those types of things, Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball was a bust. Right, Lonzo Ball was. People thought he was toast, done. Uh-huh. He's garbage. Ship him off to New Orleans. You can get an Anthony Davis. He's the best player of that entire group. Yeah, uh, let's draft nineteen-year-olds and write them off after two years. Correct. Or we could wait five when they're you know twenty-four and see where they are at that point. Growing into their body. Uh-huh. Some of these guys grow like literally grow. Yeah. They add inches to their height. They're still growing, but they're trashing. Done. All right. The big deal yesterday was Westbrook to the Lakers. Lakers, I don't think, gave up a whole lot. Uh, the fact that anyone would take Kuzi in any sort of deal, that's that's good. The reactions have been all over the place. All over the place. Now, on, on one level, I saw you mocking on uh, you know a lot of Laker fans with malicious facts. You put out a graphic of you know five of the Lakers the and talked about their shooting. The what did you say and what was the reaction? The projected starting five of... <laughs> of Russell Westbrook, Taylor Horton Tucker, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Marcus All, where statistically Marcus All is their best shooter at thirty six percent on his career from deep, yeah. from yeah, from beyond the arc. Yeah. That's a, that's a nightmare. So I, it's about fit with Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is is not a good shooter for for his career. He's a thirty point four percent three point shooter. And then you look at Taylor Horton Tucker, two years, you know, we'll call it a year and a half, didn't really play that much rookie year, twenty eight point five percent. LeBron's a thirty four point six percent shooter for his career. AD thirty one. That starting five is a nightmare. If you're a defense, what are you doing? I'm playing zone, playing off Russ Westbrook. Mm-hmm. I got my dude with a foot in the paint like every time to, to stop anybody from getting within four feet of the basket. And it, it, I will say this. That fit is going to be a nightmare. And him and, Russell, and him and LeBron James on the floor together mean two things. One, Anthony Davis has to play center now. It's just not a question anymore. Yeah. It, you cannot have a traditional big on the floor with those guys because now you have to put two other shooters out there. And the other part is, let's see what the rest of the roster looks like when they're all done. I think those lineups, if they're going to go traditional big on the floor, and then those three, Westbrook, LeBron, and AD, there's going to be really bad lineups. 
but I'm not willing to say, punt, I'm out, this is over, it's an idiotic move. Because you did see a lot of people really denigrating Westbrook. Well, and that's the other thing. We need to pump the brakes on the Westbrook hate. Westbrook was the key cog to the Wizards going 17-7 and down the stretch, right? And getting into the postseason last year. Westbrook was the second-best player on the Houston Rockets, who, by the way, I know all of you, I'm talking to you, somebody in the radio, somebody in their car's like, what? Who picked the Rockets to beat the Lakers in the Orlando bubble because Russell Westbrook was part of that team and was a big reason why. So I'd pump the brakes on destroying Westbrook as a, as a losing player, as a bad player. He's just not a good fit for what they're at right now. They could have a more balanced team built around two guys. Uh, but I don't mind them having a big three because I don't think I don't know that the big three is going to be playing a whole lot together in the regular season. What do we get, 20 games with all three of them? I can't predict injuries, but I think they're going to give – well, LeBron won't rest, but AD's got to get some rest. They they needed a third guy, you know, to be a premium scorer when one of those guys is down. Now, again, you can't judge the roster until it's complete, and I do believe in – you know, teams that have guys like LeBron James, you know, Michael Jordan, players will sacrifice some money to play in those situations. And I don't know if you scouted the free agent list, but they'll find some three-point shooters. Of course they will. And guys will take less money, and I don't know. Have you ever heard anyone say this one? Um, do we really believe everything when it comes to the salary cap and the NBA is on the up and up? Like, what do you mean? Like, Hey, bro, why don't you work for $2 million this year? We'll take care of you. I think it's in every sport. Right? Especially, with the, with, especially with a franchise like the Lakers. Right. And cl- yeah. and Clutch. You don't think they have connections in well, the, if, the city of L.A.? What if it's Clutch clients? Right. And we'll get you endorsements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll you'll make up for it. You'll make two. Uh, we'll get you five. Uh, Wes Matthews last year was one of those. Had a really solid year for the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't know where. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll go really cheap deal for the Los Angeles mm-hmm. Lakers. And he, now he didn't work, really work out. It wasn't that great last year. Right. But still, when they got him, it was a really solid signing because of what he did with Milwaukee. So, no, I'm like I'm with you. And I, I would say I think 20 games is a little extreme in terms of them only playing 20 games together. It'll probably be a little bit higher than that. But your overall point of – I think it was Tom Haberstroh who made this point on Dan Lebitard's podcast after the draft, which was the days where LeBron is taken off, right, and he'll probably have like 15 to 20 games off. You need a number one out there mm-hmm. who's going to be able to run the whole thing. And that's Westbrook's insane. He's one of my favorite players because he's violent. He never quits. He's violent in the, the way that he plays. Just full throttle all the time. And he's going to be able to fill those minutes when LeBron James isn't playing. So it makes sense in that regard. Again, let's just see how they fill it out. If you want to say that you don't have a lot of faith in Plink and company to do so, then I would totally understand that. But let's see what they do with the rest of the roster. So if you want to be the first to see uh, Jalen Green, Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, and all the other promising prospects the the first to uh or first chance to see him playing professional basketball i guess jalen green did play pro but you get my point uh they're going to be here in vegas in just a couple of days august 8th to the 17th nba summer league thomas and mac cox pavilion all 30 teams 75 games you can get your tickets at unlvtickets.com we've got a pair right now caller seven caller seven caller seven three six four eleven hundred ari will hook you up three six four one one zero zero your chance to win a couple of summer league tickets the league goes down on August 8th, all the way through the 17th. Want to be part of the show? Tweet at Steve Cofield or call 702-364-1100. Stick around. More of Cofield and Company is on the way. This can't be happening. The Dodgers are getting Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. How is this legal? How is this legal? What are we doing? This is a nightmare. They're going to be so good. 
Turner to center. Back is Quinn. Jumping. It's off the very top of the wall. And Trey Turner's going to have at least three right here. Here he comes. Looks like an inside the park home run. See you later. Do you dance or do you get oxygen here? Yeah, Russell Westbrook, Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, uh, even small deals for the Dodgers, like Danny Duffy. I I just gave in today. I can't beat him. I'm not joining him officially, but because I live with an LA fan, I totally forgot about Danny Duffy. That's <laughs> he's. I mean, it's a, it's a good it's it's a good insurance move when he gets off the DL. Right. He's a good pitcher when he can pitch. But uh, but yeah, I threw on a a Chargers jersey today and a Dodgers hat. I don't. I don't know what's going on. I mean, LA is acting like LA should. I have to they, say, they, they came out yesterday and they're like, "Okay, we are the bully on the block. We make money by spending money. Let's do it." And I know you said it with the Dodgers. Like, what they did yesterday was brilliant. And I'll tell you an old old story. And I don't know how many people were uh, Steve and the Sports Pig listeners, but it's funny. You know, some of my attitude on baseball, and it was kind of always my attitude, but it was also reinforced by Pig because he was he was a lunatic, right? And we would talk about money teams in baseball, and I, I always I always bucked against this small market, big market. It's nonsense, right? Uh, all these guys have money; they're all billionaires now. They share more money than ever, and we would get into trade season, John, mm-hmm. and I would say. You know, as an example, uh, whatever. You know, the Phillies, who should they get? You know, this closer or this closer? And Sports Pig would be like, both. And I'm like, they can't do that. It's too much money. And now what the Dodgers did yesterday, it's like, hey, do we get the Nationals' best hitter or do we get the Nationals' best pitcher? Both. <laughs> like, that just blew everyone away yesterday. Like, wait, they're getting Scherzer and they're getting a guy who's still in his 20s, who's a 20-40 guy and plays like four positions? Yep. How is this possible? Because they want to win. Because there's no hemming and hawing about the stupid budget from your billionaire owners. It's when well, it's and think about it too. How good this team has been now for the last. Well, how has it been now? Like just last what six, seven years? How long this like run has been going for the Dodgers? Feels like it's been longer. But they only have one World Series to show for it. So I'm sure that plays into it too. Like screw this. We have been there before. We have lost. We have lost multiple times. Right. At the like right in the World Series, we got we got one, but we lost to the Astros. We lost to the Red Sox. Screw this noise. Let's go get this done, and let's go buy the pieces that we need. And on top of that, we'll just take out the little brother along the way, the San Diego Padres. Yep, just B slap. It's so good. That slap him silly. That is that's actually legitimately what happened. It's almost like it's like what I do with the kid. Right, the kid was reaching out for the cookies, and you just slap the hand. You're like nah nah. I'll take this. Thank you very much. Oh, it was so good. I mean, look, they, they deserve to be the favorite. I do think it is a va- fascinating situation. And like you said, there's a really good chance there were reports that Scherzer only wanted to go a place which he would extend. Uh, you mentioned Trey Turner. You could extend him as well and keep him around too. But there is the weird situation of you are still three games back of the San Francisco Giants. So to make all of these moves only to find yourself at a what-off against the Padres would be – Brilliant theater to watch. Think back in recent baseball history. I won't go too far back. Please don't. The Atlanta Braves from 91 
to 2005. Mm-hmm. Won the division all but one year. Now, the season didn't finish in 94, right? So we're talking about, what, 15 seasons. They won it 14 of 15 seasons. The Expos were ahead of them in 94 in the shortened season where they didn't have a postseason. 15 years. They won one World Series. And I can tell you from watching baseball back then, one of the fatal flaws of the Braves team and some of their biggest moments was the bullpen. Mm-hmm. And what, based on what we see now, like what the White Sox just did, you know, we're going to bring in Kopech throwing 102, Liam Hendricks, who's nuts. He'll be the setup guy, and then that'll be followed by Kimbrell. The Braves all those years should have spent money and had five closers. Maybe, maybe they win 10 titles. All that pitching, all that starting pitching. You win one title! Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz, Steve Avery for a while there. They always had outstanding pitching. Do you think Ted Turner? He's still alive, right? Uh, as he you know approaches whatever he is, 85 years old, you think he cares if he has an extra freaking whatever it would have cost him? Right? And I'm not even sure that Ted Turner was like, don't spend more money. <laughs> It's crazy to think what they did. And I'm sure the Dodgers are like, hey, we we haven't gotten to the top of the mountaintop enough. We're making a ton of money. Our baseball, uh, local baseball network deal is insane. We're going to win. Mm-hmm. And I would even just, because, you know, as sports fans, we're, short, we're very short-sighted. I'm sure there are a lot of people who will look at last year and go, mm, pandemic shortened season. Congrats. Right? The Rays made it. Congrats. You beat the Rays to get your first World Series. You never could get to the top, and it took a pandemic-shortened season to do it. Make it a lot sweeter to do it this way around, huh? I I, I, per, I think it is, is – I don't know what it's like to be a fan of a team that will just – no, it's not enough. You're more, in the same more, area! More, 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 you, more. You're in the same you, – you, you love the Angels. You're in the same area. Wow. Billionaire. And the Angels act like they're – Freaking struggling for money. You, They're you, trading off guys. Your team just took their best young pitcher in their rotation. I couldn't believe that. When I saw yep. it you know, late in the day, I'm like, oh, Andrew Haney? Okay. All okay. right. Thanks, Angels. That sucks. It's, and he's, he's, a good young, <laughs> he's a good young pitcher with a lot of upside. If he figures some stuff out, he's, he's a really good young pitcher. And they're just shipping off pieces. I, I'm telling you, it would be great to watch them actually spend money on their pitching staff. Just one time. Not buy low. And that's the other thing, right? Because what they do is it's all these buy low deals. They go with Matt Harvey a couple years ago. They tried to get Quintana this year. That was an absolute nightmare. Cobb, Bundy. You can go back even further, right? Well, that was the one time they spent money. C.J. Wilson after his run with the Texas Rangers. They, they, they've just never spent money on pitching. Why do the Angels go out and get Scherzer, Barrios, and Duffy? Right. Right? Like, like I said, going back. Who, which, one, which one of the three should I get? All of them. Mm-hmm. Zach Wheeler. I was belly aching about that a couple weeks ago with you, right? Zach Wheeler on the just, just getting him for about what was it now with twenty twenty three million dollars a year, whatever it was. I think you were paying Cobb sixteen. Go get him. But no, sorry, can't do that. But here Freaking you go, Dodgers. We'll go in and here's Jose Quintana, and we'll try other things too. We're trying to get some buy low guys. Like no, spend money. You have two of the best players in Major League Baseball. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Coach Joe Knows, talking basketball on Cofield and Company.
Boy, oh boy. Before we get wow. to Coach Joe, uh, we'll have to get into Ryan Reeves in the middle of the show. He's off to the Rangers with Gallant. And now we just find out a little while ago that Alex Tuck may miss much of the season. Six months. Oh, boy. Also, an update from baseball. Uh, Mets were aggressive today getting Javier Baez. Uh, Jacob deGrom may be down until September. So, oh, boy. Uh, Lated in the morning when you get or Mm -hmm. early afternoon when you get Baez, and now you find out uh, the guy may be down for an extra two weeks. At least they got Rich Hill, and that's the only arm required. It's something, but I think they needed more. (laughs) Joe Esposito, the coach, is in with us. Crazy times, Joe. Lots to talk about. What's up, buddy? Lots to talk about. Bill Self gets COVID. What's going on? I thought he was invincible. Wow. Crazy. Crazy. And he was vaccinated. I mean, this whole thing's getting nuts right now. College recruiters are out there watching kids play in gyms and people just packing in the stands. And and now the numbers are starting to increase. I hope we're not headed down the same road we were last year with the basketball season. I agree. I mean, I do not want a season like that again. That was that was rough on the coaches, rough on the the athletes. I mean, uh, no fans. That was bizarro. No question. I know. And it's kind of getting scary because the numbers are rising. And, um, you know, there's Delta variants. And now if you have the shot, you still, you know, or, you know, could get it, but maybe not as bad. And, I mean, these athletes, look at, like we talked about last week, you know, the guy from the Minnesota Vikings, you know, not coaching. I mean, it's just incredible. And if they start mandating this, this, this vaccine for these athletes, it's going to get nuts. You know, you're hearing everything up to, if you want to go to a game, you've got to prove that you've been vaccinated. Um, I mean, is that, is that where, is that where we're going to be going with athletics? I don't know, but, Hopefully it won't take away from the college basketball season that's ahead. Coach Joe is up with Cofield and JVT. All right, let's talk about the NBA draft. Uh, first of all, uh, we've seen the you know the changing uh, waves in the NBA draft uh, with big men being devalued and going later in the draft. 13 of the first 15 picks, Joe, were wings or guards. Yeah, and, and that's the wave now, you know, it seems. And you can look at the rosters and say, well, they didn't need a center or whatever, but if you're good enough, like Evan Mobley, obviously number three, he's a center. He was a third pick in the draft. And then after that, the kid from Turkey was 16. And, and then you go down to 29, the North Carolina kid. That's it until you hit our boy from Utah State. A lot of true centers are not getting drafted. The game's changing. You know, a lot of teams aren't using a true center. It's more up and down. There's a lot of, obviously, uh, changes to the speed of the game. And uh, But then when you look at some of the teams that had success, you know, Lopez did a lot to help Milwaukee win the championship. I mean, the big fella at, at Phoenix did a lot to win that championship. So you kind of got to think about what's out there and who's available. But this didn't seem in this draft that there was an overabundance amount of big men that really could have went earlier than what they did. Joe, when you have a kid that comes through, you know, under your wing, if he's like trending towards becoming one of those true centers, you know, what's your what's your advice for them? What do you do with them? Do you do you coach them up to add a jump shot or anything like that? Because it's almost like a running back now, right? Like if I have a running back, it's like I don't know if you want to play running back, man. There are a dime a dozen, and you're not that valuable in the NFL. Yeah, no question. The first thing we'll do when we're talking to a big kid is we would always say to him, we know we really got to make you into a perimeter pick and pop guy because that's what's trending. Not only that, you got to remember they got to defend. They got to be able to defend. So a lot of their development is going to come within their footwork, within their vertical and, and, and horizontal movement, how quick they can get off the floor. Because it's great that you're a big man, but if the other team's going with a smaller lineup and Draymond Green is a center on the team you're playing against, well, you're going to have to move your feet. And I think that's what you saw in the NBA Finals. You saw some mismatches. 
you know, when uh, a guy like uh, Crowder had to guard Lopez, um, but then on the other side, Lopez had to guard, you know, guard whoever uh, was at their center position. I mean, it could make for some bad mismatches. I will tell you this, though. One of the things I learned through my whole coaching career is mismatches don't beat you. Uncontested shots do. There's not a big difference between a 6'6 guy and a 6'8 guy. If you're out there contesting shots and being a test on defense, you can do a really good job depending on how, no matter what size you are. So a lot of that stuff is important. But back to your question, you better start developing those big guys to be able to shoot the ball or they're not going to have much success in this league. So when you looked at the draft, I was viewing a lot of last night's draft through the prism of betting, right? All these guys have draft position props that you can bet on over and under where they're going to go. So from that perspective, a guy like Joshua Primo, uh, his draft position prop is about the 27th pick, and he goes number 12. That seemed to be one of the more shocking selections. Would you agree with that, or was there one more that was maybe in the first 14 picks lottery or so that surprised you? I think that was the biggest shocker to me, that he went that high. I mean, he's the youngest guy in the draft, and – he will be the youngest player in the NBA next year. He's only 18 years old. I think a lot of people projected him as a late first-rounder, early second-rounder. He just doesn't have the body of work that most of these prospects have. you know. So I just don't think that he's somebody that should have went as high as he did. Um, if it was me, you know, now remember now, the Spurs have made some really good picks in the past. So, hey, maybe they know something that I don't know. But I will tell you this, if it was me, I would have taken Butler. Number He was number 40. Everybody got nervous that he was in a situation medically, and they were concerned that there was a medical issue, and then the NBA came out and said, he's fine. But he was 40th, and the Utah Jazz get him. They traded their first-round pick. They went down, down, honestly, lower in the draft. There was a big concern about his medical deal, and uh, they get him at 40. And now they don't have to pay him first-round money either. So you talk about a big steal. I think he was the biggest steal in the draft. And I believe in Jerry Butler. He won that championship at Baylor. He was the MVP. I think that was the biggest steal. So one of the weird picks for me, and it wasn't because of the player, because I think Davion Mitchell is actually going to be a really good pro. But when you're a team that has spent three out of your last five first-round picks now on point guards, it just doesn't really make a lot of sense. Like, what is the fit for Davion Mitchell in a backcourt with Tyrese Halliburton and De'Aaron Fox? Yeah, you're so right on that one. And if you notice the body language of Davion Mitchell when he's picked ninth, he wasn't always the best-looking body language. I think he was shocked, too. You know, they're so crowded in the backcourt. I mean, Buddy Heal. I mean, what's going to happen with him? Is he going to get traded what people have projected? But they already got Fox, like you said, Hill Burton. I mean, they've got guys that can definitely um, play that position. And uh, there must be some type of trade thoughts. They must be doing something. Um, they got to be moving one of those guys to be able to play for enough minutes. You know, he's a top 10 pick, and they go ahead and take him. And then they go ahead and take the kid from Utah State. You know, um, you know he's a Mountain West guy, so we want to cheer for him and hope he does well. I just don't know if his game is going to project, you know, what it should be at the NBA. He's not a pick-and-pop type guy to me. I think he's a pretty good body and size. But if you look at the picks and taking him nine, Mitchell, I mean, he's a great player. Don't get me wrong. I think he's one of the best players. He's got so much skill. He defensively is a beast. I don't know where he's going to play, or I should say, who are they going to get rid of to make room to make him play? 
By the way, on uh, on Mitchell, Steve, I don't know if you caught this comment. Afterwards, they asked him about his workouts before the draft with the Sacramento Kings. He's like, nah, I don't want to. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about that. Like, okay, so you didn't <laughs> so you didn't work out with the Kings before the draft. Uh, let's go to the other Baylor kid, Jared Butler. What'd you make of uh, his slide there? Because it was pretty shocking that uh, you know Davion Mon- Davion Mitchell lands within the top ten. You'd expect his teammate to go in the first round at least, but that is not the case. Yeah, that was my like I said, that was my biggest surprise in the draft. Him going fortieth. I think that was a great steal. I think he's a great player. I think he's going to do great things. I mean, I think he's one of those guys that's going to make a difference. I really do. I mean, there's some other guys in the draft. When you look at Kelsey, the Pepperdine kid that went to the Nets, I, I think that's, that was a great pick. I mean, I thought he was a first-round guy. I thought he was a guy that was going the first round. He's got incredible tools. I mean, he can really play. He can score. I thought that was a good pick. I mean, there were some late guys. And you got to remember, you never know what's going to happen in this draft. How about the kid Cooper from Auburn? He goes 48. I mean, he's a kid kid that can really go. I mean, he can play. He didn't play a lot of games last year, um, but he's a real talented kid. And there's always those sleepers in the draft. And we can go through the numbers. You talk about it all the time. When you look at a guy like Draymond Green, that was a 35th pick. And, you know, a guy like uh, Jimmy Butler was a 30th pick. And just look at the NBA championship this year. You know, the, the Greek Freak was 15th and Booker was 13th. So there's going to be some guys late in the draft that are going to be great NBA players. Maybe a guy like Cooper, uh, Cameron Thomas, 27th pick. I think he was a great pick. So I think there are some guys. There's a lot of hype up there, and then I think some of the late picks. How about Luca Garza? He was the NCAA yeah, I want, hey, Joe, I wanted to ask you. Tell us about Garza. we got about a minute left here. Joe Esposito's with us. Um, I think Garza is an NBA player, but uh, I, I do wonder how early you should be taking seniors because Chris Duarte went pretty early to the Pacers. Yeah, and, and, I, and I like Garza, I think, because he does shoot the ball on the perimeter and he does have a good high IQ, but I do think that he really could help the Pistons, and they end up having to get him, and I don't see to get the number one pick, so there are some good things in that. So it was a good draft. It was, uh, it was good to see those guys moving on. A lot of those guys are recruited, so it was kind of a cool deal. To see them get have success, nobody thought Scotty Barnes was going to go number four. It really made Orlando happy because they got thugs. So, I mean, it was a good draft. But a minute to go. Would you give me some more time, man? I mean, come on now. <laughs> I mean, I need some more time. I mean, you I owe me a pizza. I mean, I'm working my butt off getting statistics. I'm staying up at night thinking about what I'm going to say, and then you try to cut me short. This is unbelievable. I know. The outrage, the outrage. We have uh, we have Olympic updates that have uh, cut into our time a little bit, so I have to be real careful at the end of the hour, Joe. All right, well, get me in the beginning of the hour. Olympic updates should be quick. They should be quick. Open open the show with Coach Joe. That'll be the future during the college basketball season. We'll get you more action during college basketball. I hear you guys. Hey, have a great weekend. You too, Joe. See you, Joe. We'll see you. All right, there he is, the coach, Joe Esposito. I wasn't cutting him down on time. He had like another 45 seconds. He just wasted there. Well, we go fast, 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 fast. I also went on autopilot, had a brain fart, and asked him the same question twice. <laughs> he, did, he did make some <laughs> commentary about, right. about Butler. And then he's like, yeah, I just said that. Yeah. So it, it, uh, it happens sometimes. All right. We're going to get to another team in our Cofield and Company NFL power rankings. Cover to the three worst teams in the National Football League. The Lions are up next at... Number 29, we're going to talk to uh, one of the experts out of Detroit, Dave Burkett, and we'll find out about the big galoot, Dan Campbell, and early returns on the new Lions coach.